we are together as a family. Uh, I would also like to extend our regards to the folks who have joined us on Zoom as well. Uh, welcome you all in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, I have been meditating on today's passage for over a month now. And uh, as I stand in front of you, uh, I want to confess something that I have never been more convicted in my life uh, before giving a sermon than today. Uh, I have been convicted of my weaknesses. I have been convicted about my brokenness. Uh, I realized that I'm a man full of flaws. Uh, and over last month, I have occasion, in so many occasions, I have got frustrated uh, and ended up in anxiety only to realize the sin of worry in my life. Uh, so as I share, though, you know, uh, as we meditate the passage together, uh, my prayer is this, that both you and me, we can see what God has to speak to us today. And uh, we can see how we can apply those things into our life. For there is a great realization for you and for me that we have received unmerited favor from Jesus in our salvation, right? So that's our hope. So together, let's turn to our passage this morning. That is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Thank you, Kevin, for reading for us this morning. Uh, there, was, uh, there is a famous saying uh, from Warren Risby, and it says that we are continuing to be crucified between two, two thieves, the regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. Uh, Kevin, can we go to the next slide? Yeah. We are continuing being crucified between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. And I think there is a profound truth in this, right? Today, an average man is crucifying himself between these two thieves. We have either regrets of yesterday. Some of us have sorrow or remorse of something what we have done in the past. Or some of us, we have a sense of disappointment that things have not gone our way. Uh, for some of us, we have regret over a failed relationship. Uh, for some of us, it might be a failed career. For some of us, this morning, it might be bad financial decisions, which leads to a lot of regrets. But I'm very sure there's a good chunk of people today who might be living in regret because of some of the sin choices that they have made, which have left scars and consequences in their life. So if on one hand, we have regrets of yesterday, on the other hand, we have worries about tomorrow. Uh, worries is one of our favorite things, right? Um, anxiety over-worrying, having fretting over something that we cannot see tomorrow. And all this we have domesticated into our lives, right? We love them. We have adopted worries, anxiety into our family, right? And it is very core of our lives now. And in all honesty, this has become acceptable in our life. And uh, it is difficult not to worry. It is difficult not to think about tomorrow. Rarely I have seen uh, anyone walk up to me and condemn me or admonish me for excessive worry. Probably uh, because most of us are guilty of it at some level or the other. There are so many things that take some mind, right? Uh, this morning, some of you might be sitting and wondering, how would you pay the next EMI? How would you clear the debt? How do I pay the credit card bills, <laughs> right? Uh, or it might be your pay cuts because of COVID, or it could be a failing business. Uh, for some of you, it might be a health reason. Uh, COVID might be troubling you, or you might be diagnosed recently with something bad, right? Maybe a cancer or something even more dangerous. For some of you, it might be a difficult marriage that you might be going through this morning. For some couples, it might be waiting for children. For many years, you have been praying 
but there's no answer. But for some of you, you have children and you're worrying because your children are going in wayward ways. All worries. Uh, let, but let me put a disclaimer to all of you, right? All worries are not bad. I love how Martin Luther puts it. Being anxious about one spiritual being is a good thing, right? Uh, and we see this in the scripture as well. Well, Paul writes letters to the churches, right? All his letters, we see a deep concern and love that he has for the churches. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter, two, uh, chapter 11, verse 28, if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, yeah, it says that, Then besides all, I have daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Brothers and sisters, good concerns and good anxiety always focuses on God and on others. It's never centered. And it always moves us to trust Jesus more and depend on him more. But today's passage, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, Jesus is talking about a bad worry, you know, a bad kind of anxiety. When we excessively fret over something tomorrow, right? And it can be extremely harmful. Why? Because it always focuses on self and it is, there is very little room for God. And, and, and therefore, it is very selfish. So if I have to summarize, you know, the heart of excessive worry and anxiety is distrust on God's promises and his providence. If regrets and worries lead to self-destruction, then this morning, church, let me encourage you that Jesus wants you to come to him with repentance and there is restoration and rest in him available. Okay? There is restoration and rest in him available if we come with a heart of repentance this morning. So today, let's look into the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. Over the last two weeks, we have been medita meditating on this. Ben Kurian took us through the Beatitudes, and last week, Charlton took us to the Lord's Prayer. And today, we'll be continuing from the same uh, uh, you know, message, the Lord's Prayer, uh, sorry, the Sermon on the Mount, which is sermon by King himself. And today, Jesus is addressing the sin of worry. So let me set the context for all of you. If you start reading the Gospel of Matthew, we see the genealogy, but Matthew begins the Gospel by calling our attention to Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. What does it say? This is a prophecy about Jesus, right? She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Very simple. The gospel of Matthew is about Jesus granting salvation from sin. And it is not going to be any of our achievement that, is going to, uh, that we can boast of, right? It's all about Jesus. Why I say this? Look at chapter 27 and 28 of Matthew. How does Matthew end the gospel? He reminds us of death, resurrection of our God, the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he calls everyone to great commission. The cross is going to be absolutely necessary for our understanding of the Sermon of the Mount. Why I say this is because Jesus' crucifixion was a death blow to the world system which was pounded by the pretensions of human power and wisdom. You know, Matthew rightly reminds us that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus is the long-awaited kingdom. When Jesus came first time, he inaugurated the kingdom. When Jesus will come again, he will fully culminate his kingdom. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus is the long-awaited kingdom. And the Sermon on the Mount is a great reminder to all of us as kingdom citizens how our lives will look like in God's kingdom. 
and what are our attributes and what should be our attitude as kingdom citizens you know that's the sermon of uh, sermon on the mount all about now with that in mind you know when we come to chapter 6 chapter 6 of matthew you know jesus tells us something very important when we passionately pursue the worldly things it only leads to slow and steady erosion of our passionate pursuit of jesus you're getting it when we are passionately pursuing the world what happens slowly and steadily your passion for jesus christ starts reducing here's a disclaimer okay uh, no one is immune all you young boys <laughs> girls you know you're not immune all your youngsters who are looking out for jobs or who are already working you guys are not immune all our older folks you guys are not immune even if you have walked through decades with our lord jesus christ even you guys are not immune because anyone can fall into the sin of greed if we are not careful that's how it works that's how it works and here is the irony okay with all the accumulation of money wealth property treasures toys gadgets you know all you can buy the more you have the more deeper you sink into worry why because those who have more tend to worry more because you have more to lose right if you have nokia 36 what was that 3310 what was that model yeah the button one if that falls you will not worry you will just pick it up if you have iphone 13 if it falls your heart will skip a beat right that's that's reality because you have spent more than one and a half lakhs on that phone you you will you will worry you know that's how it is all you have you, the greater position you have you have more worry because you have more things to lose and jesus is going to address this very problem in this sermon right as he singles out the corruption effect of wealth by warning us of subtle but yet powerful tentacles of greed and futility of worry while our passage is from verse 25 to 34 you know this passage is only a culmination jesus is only making a you know a, a concluding arguments here of you know what he taught from verse 19 to 24 so this morning just to set the context let's read from verse 19 to 24 and i'll read that out for you do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy where the thieves break in and steal but store up for yourself treasures on heaven in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal where your treasure is there your heart will also be Look at what Jesus talks about the eye. Your eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye are good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Let me repeat that for all of you no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one or you will love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve to both god and money you cannot serve two masters you know while we will not go into detail i just want to bring out four truths for all of us from this passage verse 19 and 20 jesus says if you and i are laying up treasures here on earth let me tell you that these treasures will never last let me tell you these treasures will never last why because it's going to rot and rust away if you go to the next slide is there right verse 21 treasures if you and i are laying up treasures here on earth let me tell you these treasures will surely steal your heart 
Why? Because your devotion, your dedication will be towards that goal. And Jesus says, you cannot divide your devotions into half. Verse 22 and 23. If you and I, church, listen to this, if you and I are laying up all our treasures here on earth, then surely it's going to cloud your vision. What does Jesus say about I being the lamp of the body? If your eye is always focused on the earthly pressures, then what's, what's going to happen? Your life is only going to you know, follow all those pleasures, right? That means if your eye is towards darkness, your life will be towards darkness. You will be leading towards darkness. And in midst of that, you will have absolutely no vision to see what God has planned for you. Your vision will be clouded. That's what Jesus is saying. Finally, in verse 24, Jesus says, if you and I are laying up treasures here on earth, then surely these treasures will turn God into a threat in our lives. Why? Why I say this? Ultimately, there's only one choice. You can love, serve, and be devoted to God, or you'll be devoted to money, or you'll be devoted to Satan, right? You just cannot serve two masters. If we say love, we love God, okay? Um, church, it's not a matter of emotion. Okay, when we say we love God, it's not a matter of emotion. Loving God means completely devoted to Him, to love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your might and all your strength. You remember when Pharisees wanted to test Jesus and they come to Him and they ask, which is the greatest commandment in the Bible? In Matthew 22, 36 onwards, we read that Jesus says, He repeats the Shema, right? The greatest commandment is, love your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your might. You know, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Um, if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says this. And, and this is one of the most abused verse, okay? We use this anytime, anywhere we feel like, okay? Uh, it says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content in what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? We use this phrase. God will never leave you, forsake you. Yes, he will never leave you, forsake you. But look at the context in which it's written. It's saying, keep your life free from the love of money. Don't have greed. Don't run behind money. And then he also says something very important. Be content in your life. Why we should have contentment? Because our contentment as born again believers should be in Jesus and in our eternal relationship with him. When we have this, Jesus says, you have this promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In uh, Psalms 49 verse 5 and 6. Okay, and This is very interesting. Turn with me to Psalms 49 verse 5 and 6. Look at David what he is telling about his uh, foes. right? Who is uh, uh, persecuting him. He says, why should I fear in times of trouble? The iniquities of my foes surround me. They trust me. They trust in their wealth and they boast in their abundant riches. Yet these cannot redeem a person and pay a ransom to God. You know, guys, no matter how much money you have, life is too costly for a man to pay a ransom, <laughs> even with the greatest riches that he may have. You know, wealth cannot prevent death. What David is saying is this those who trust in the wealth and boast in the abundance of riches are fools, are folly. But sadly, this is the reality. Today, many Christians believe, maybe some of us in our church as well, 
that we can passionately pursue Lord Jesus Christ. At the same point of time, we can passionately pursue the riches of the world and give both equal time. But let me put this out, okay? And this is for myself also because when I study this passage and I told this, if you and I, church, if you and I say that we have enthroned Jesus as Lord over our life, then we cannot have any room for competing loyalties. If you and I say that Jesus is Lord over my life, let me tell you today morning, you cannot have competing loyalties. You cannot serve two masters. You know, it is after this comes verse 25, the passage for this morning. It is says, Jesus says, therefore, and then he gives a very important, straightforward commandment to all of us. Look at verse 25. Therefore, do not be worried about your life. Okay, this is not a suggestion, okay? Guys, this is not a suggestion, okay? This is a commandment. This is not a take it or a leave it or, or whenever you feel like you can apply this in your life. Jesus is giving a commandment saying, therefore, in, in light of whatever you have studied, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. And this morning, I just want to bring out three principles that we'll be looking together, right? And uh, we, I, I just want to point them out so that we have clarity on what we are going to see from this passage. Number one, Reflect on Jesus and his provision. Reflect on Jesus and his provision. Number two, reflect on your relationship with Jesus. Reflect on your relationship with Jesus. And number three, we'll look at reflect on your priorities and focus on simplicity. Reflect on your priorities and focus on simplicity. So let's move ahead with the passage, right? Number one, reflect on Jesus and his provision. See, one of the questions that I had in mind is, who will take care of my daily needs? If I'm not called to pursue the world, if pursue the riches of the world, then what about my everyday needs? Right? An important question. What about the food I will eat? What about the clothes that I will wear? What about the roof on my head? Right? Daily needs. What about my children's education? There are so many questions that comes in our mind. Who is going to take care of my daily needs? And the crux of the uh, you know, passage is this. Jesus says, Master is going to take care of his disciples. Jesus is going to take care of his people so that they can give attention to more important things in life. What are those more important things? We'll look in detail as we go along. Let's look at verse 25 and 26. Verse 25 and 26. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried of, about your life as to what you will eat what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing verse 26 look at the birds of the air they do not sow they do not reap they do not gather in the barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more value than they you know jesus points us out and he tells us to look at to nature. Look at the birds. Do they sow? Do they reap? Do they store up treasures in bank? They don't have saving accounts. They don't have you know, current accounts. They don't have fixed deposit. They don't have mutual funds. Nothing, okay? No bitcoins and all for them. They are not anxious about tomorrow. Why? You know, Jesus is not saying, do not be anxious about what car you drive or what, how many Instagram followers you have. 
Okay, Jesus is not telling about those worries. Okay, guys, if you if you are thinking this is about that, no, it's not about when I will buy my Mercedes car. It's not about in in my Instagram how many people are following me, how many likes I get on my you know Facebook picture. No, no, this is not that worry. Okay, Jesus is talking about our basic needs: food, clothes, uh, you know, roof over our head. He's talking about all our basic needs. And he's saying, why you, do, you should not worry about them? Look at verse 25, the second part. Because your life is more than food. Your body is more than clothing. And your life is more than what you eat, drink, and what you wear. You know, one of my friends said that God is calling us to be lazy after reading this passage. But Jesus is not saying, don't be, you know, he's not saying, be lazy, okay? In fact, if you read the scripture, scripture tells us that we need to be diligent in our work that has been assigned to us. Whether you are in college, be diligent in your studies. If you are at work, be diligent. If you are in ministry, be diligent in that work that God has assigned for you. Right? In fact, Paul tells in, to the Thessalonian church in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Simple. We are called to be diligent in what God has put in front of us. But the main point is this, Jesus wants us to trust him for our daily needs. You know, that's the, that's the important point. Jesus is pointing out that he's the one who provides us. He's the one who takes care of our daily needs. All we need to do is trust him. You know, there is a saying by Martin Luther and John Scott quotes this in his uh, you know, commentary for this passage. And he says, you see, Jesus is making the birds as our schoolmasters and teachers. It is great and abiding disgrace that in the gospel a helpless sparrow should become a theologian and a preacher to the wisest of men. It is a disgrace that a helpless sparrow should become a theologian and a preacher to the wisest of men. Let me put this in perspective, right? Let's read verse uh, 28 to 31st part. Why are you worried about your clothing? Observes how the lily of the field grow. They do not toil nor they spin. Yet I say that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into furnace, how much more he will clothe you? Jesus is now telling, taking our attention. Look at the lilies of the field, okay, the flowers, okay? Look at the grass that you find, you know, that green lush grass, okay? And he's saying, look at how Jesus or God has beautifully clothed them. If Jesus is delighting in dressing up, in enriching grass and flowers, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more he will delight in the adornment of, uh, you know, of, of clothing his own children. You know, the point here is this. You and I are eternal in, in terms of we have eternal life available in Lord Jesus Christ, right? One of the blessings of salvation is that we have eternal life, right? But look at the flowers of the field. They are lasting for a day. Yet God is clothing them beautifully than Solomon's royal robe and his, you know, magnificent wealth, okay? Solomon was very rich. Imagine his, you know, king's robe that he might be wearing. It might be so magnificent, right? And all his properties and everything, it might have been so beautiful. But look at what Jesus says. Even Solomon was not dressed up beautifully as I dress up the lilies and the grass, you know, in the field. How much more, how much more he will take care of us. 
I'm reminded of our first sermon in the series, right? Um, when we looked into the creation, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, what did we read? That God created man in his own image. Church, you and I are image bearers of God. You know, and the biggest difference between the disciple of Jesus as born again believers and the nature is this. The birds, the grass and the lilies. The difference between man, us, born again believers and them is this. We have the capacity of honoring God by our faith. You know, we have the capacity. They don't have this capacity. We have this capacity of honoring God by our faith. And God values the exercise of faith more than what he values the birds. So I want to encourage all of us this morning. Dear CBF, if you know, do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to you know, uh, drink or you know, whether you will have roof over your head or not. I'm saying do not worry. Why? Because if you have been enlightened by the gospel, if you have been regenerated, if you call yourself as children of God, let me just repeat what Jesus tells here. This is not my words. Jesus says in verse 26, are you not much more value to him? You are of great value to our Savior. You know, it gives me so much comfort that we are of so much great value to him. Let us reflect on Jesus and his provisions. Number two, reflect on your relationship with Jesus. Reflect on your relationship with Jesus. Let me paint a contrast for you this morning. The life that you and I enjoy is not primarily given for you know, physical pleasures, but it is for something greater. It is for the enjoyment of God. You got it? And the life that is given to us is not primarily for the approval of men. It is for the approval of God. And the life that you and I enjoy, and it is not primarily given for our extension, for extended life here on earth. No, no, no. It is given so that in eternity with God, in the age to come, we can be with Him. Our life is for enjoyment of God, for approval of God, and to be with Him in eternity in the age to come. That's why our life is. But we all like to worry. And what does worry do? It wastes our energy, it drains our contentment, and it also dampers our gratitude towards God. And it all signifies one thing, lack of faith in God's character as a provider. It only signifies one thing, lack of faith in God's character as a provider. You know, uh, when we have so many things like all our securities, then it becomes, you know, all our security is then in our bank balance. All our security is, you know, how much we have, how much position we have, what car we drive, what house we live in, what clothes, branded clothes that we have, what kind of gadgets that we carry. That becomes the stem of our identity. Right? And you feel that you are in control because you have everything. Right? But like I said, the more you have, the more you start worrying. Because you are, all, you are always fearful that you will lose it. You know, and, and, and sometimes you just want to keep adding on, adding on. Because never it is sufficient, right? Never it's going to be enough. Never it's going to be enough. But Jesus says something very important to us in verse 27. He says, all these worries that you have, church, listen to this. All these worries cannot add a single R in your life. In NKJV it says, 
Which of you by being anxious can add one moment to his lifespan? In some other translation it says, you know, not even a single cubit to the lifespan can be added because of your worries. In short, excessive worrying is vanity. It's vanity. Why? Because you cannot do a simplest thing of adding one more second to your life. Now, why I say this? Because we are not in control. You know, we are not sovereign over anything. Who is sovereign? Who is sovereign? Jesus is sovereign. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Paul says something very important about the sovereignty of God. It says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. If you have a pen, you can circle that. All things were created through him and for him. You know, God alone is sovereign. Christ alone is sovereign. And worrying is futile because it just cannot prolong your life. It just cannot add a single moment in your life. It is futile. It's vanity. This is why Jesus rebukes in verse 30. He says, all those who are fretting, who are excessively worrying, are having so much anxiety. He says, you of little faith. It's all about faith, right? It's all about trusting God. But look at verse 31 and 32. There's some more important principle that Jesus brings out. Do not worry then by saying who, uh, what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear for clothing. For who worries like that? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things and for your heavenly father knows what you need. Uh, you know, already knows before you ask, right? Our heavenly father knows all the things that we need. Here's an interesting statement. Trust is never built on plentifulness. Trust is never built on abundance. Rather, the trust is built on intimacy. Your intimate relationship with Christ will lead you to trust Him more. It's never how much you own, how much you possess. That is not going to build trust in Jesus. Because once that disappears, your trust will also disappear. Your trust is always built on intimacy, your intimate relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus reveals the real uh, cause of anxiety is little faith, right? And we always call into question the love and the promises and the provision of God in midst of our anxiety and worries. And Jesus tells that this kind of anxiety and worry is very similar to whom? It's an attribute of a Gentile, of a person who has never been enlightened by the gospel, who have not tasted Lord Jesus Christ. It is something, the attitude that a Gentile carry. But you and I, who have believed in the finished work of the cross, of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, this passage reminds us our Heavenly Father knows what we need even before we ask even before we ask. We can cling on to that truth. So here's the question that I have for all of you. How do you experience God in midst of your life circumstances? How do you experience God in midst of your life circumstances? Church, if we are able to identify our identity in the gospel, if we are exposed to the greatest privilege as born-again believers, you know, what is that? It is adoption. You know, one of the greatest privileges of accepting Lord Jesus Christ as a personal savior is, uh, you know, is adoption. 
you know, experience God as a father. You know, this morning we were in our worship service, right? We were looking into the relationship of father and a son. You know, as born again believers, we have been adopted into the family of God. And that's a big thing because today you can relate to God as your father. And that's a big thing. That's a big thing. You know, I was talking to one of the sisters and, and, and she never had a father growing up. And when she came to know the Lord, you know, her greatest joy was to cry out to God as Father. You know, when, 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 when she shared, it was, it was bringing so much joy. At the same point, it was so much conviction. Do I have that kind of joy and, and rest in my Heavenly Father? Do I see Him like that? Because I take everything for granted, right? But greatest privilege that we have as born-again believers is adoption. We can call out God as our Father. Look at what Paul says about sonship in uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. It says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that, if you have a pen, underline this, he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might, be, that we might receive the adoption as son. Circle that. Because you are son, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying what? Abba, Father, underline that. Therefore, you are no longer slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You know, many a times it's so easy for us to look at God as the creator, look at God as all holy, all powerful, almighty God, sovereign God, who is the sustainer of the entire universe. Yes, all that is true. But Paul reminds all of us this morning that he is also a loving father. And it has only been made possible by whom? It is made possible by the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is the role of Holy Spirit? It is to create intimacy between us and God. Like I said, Trust is not built on abundance or plentifulness. It is built on intimacy. And the, the role of the Holy Spirit is to build that intimacy. And today, uh, church, what a privilege it is for us. What a privilege it is for you and for me to say, Abba, Father. Amen. We have that privilege. The Gentiles, they don't have the privilege. You know, those who are slaves... They have to fight for their identity. They have to fight for finding favor from anyone in the world. But you and me, we start with a place of acceptance. We start with God already paying the price. God already, Jesus has already impressed God. You know, that's the biggest thing. <laughs> we don't have to do anything to impress God. We cannot do anything to earn favor from God. Jesus has already done that for you and for me. You know? Don't think, ever think, you know, yesterday in our cell group we were discussing, when we pray, we think we are worthy because we had a very good week of quiet time, we did everything, we went to all the cell group. So today when I pray, God will accept me. No, no, no. Your prayers are accepted because God has already, Jesus has already impressed God the Father. He has already paid the price. Jesus paid it all on the cross. And therefore we are accepted. We find favor nothing because of what we have done. We find favor because of Jesus. Reflect on Jesus and your relationship with Him. Third, reflect on your priorities and focus on simplicity. Reflect on your priorities and focus 
on simplicity. Uh, look at verse 33. The priority is mentioned there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But we all love to do this, right? Uh, have, you, have you done this? I think many of us. One foot we want to put in this world and one foot we want to put in the kingdom of God. Right? That's how we want to live. <laughs> but we are kingdom citizens, guys. We have nothing to do with this world. It's all temporary. We are going to be with the Lord in eternity. Right? And Jesus here, again, is not giving a suggestion. He's giving a command. Seek first his kingdom. This is a command. This is a command by Jesus himself. It means that we are to seek the salvation that is inherent in, uh, inherent in the kingdom of God because it is of great value than all the world's riches. You and I, today, we need to recognize our spiritual poverty, the Beatitudes, remember? Blessed are the poor in spirit. We need to recognize our spiritual poverty, that we need to understand there is nothing that we can bring onto the table. There is nothing that we can do that can bring us uh, you know, in, in good favor with God or earn our salvation or forgiveness of our sin. It's all because of our Jesus Christ. And since we are spiritually poor, to the point that we need to mourn and repent and cry out to God with confession of our sins. For when we cry out to God, you know, 1 John 1, 9 says, He is faithful to forgive. And when we do that, as children, we need to hunger and thirst for His righteousness. We have to hunger and thirst for His righteousness. Like a newborn child, you know, craves for the milk, right? Like that, we are called to crave for the Word of God. We are called to crave for Jesus. We are called to, call to crave for our intimate relationship with Him. And Charlton's remind us, right? You need to pray for the kingdom to come. Live in the light that Jesus is going to come back soon. Live in the light that Jesus is going to come back soon. You know, I always take this example. You know, whenever we share this, my daughter says, Jesus is taking so much time. You know, from Old Testament, you're saying Jesus is going to come soon, come soon. It's been so long. You know, and we have been studying Matthew for like, like three, four months. Jesus is not coming. Don't get disheartened, okay? Don't get disheartened. His time is soon. Uh, he may come in our lifetime or post our lifetime, but the word of God promises his coming is near. His coming is near. Let us live life in light of his coming. See, God has not chosen us to trust the riches and trust our own might, but God has chosen us so that we can trust him. We can have relationship with him. Therefore, uh, church, I want to tell you that put Jesus as your topmost priority, right? Uh, seek his salvation. Keep growing in your knowledge of salvation. You know, be prepared for his coming kingdom. Be diligent in all the things that he has asked you to do. You know, pursue holiness and, and, and practice obedience. And, and share the good news with your fellow brothers and sisters that you work with. You know, God has placed you in community, right? Right, in different places. And God wants you to take the good news to them. And when we do this, this is, this is the thing. When we have an eternal perspective, it is only then we'll be able to replace anxiety with faith. You're getting it? Only when we have an eternal perspective of living, it is only then we'll be able to replace anxiety with faith. And look at verse 33, the second part. What does it say? 
It says all these things will be added to you. Jesus is not an ATM machine, okay? Uh, uh, when Jesus says all these things shall be added unto you, he's, he means that everything that we need. And, and here is my assurance, okay? And I hope this assures you as well. Jesus knows exactly what we need. And his provision is not based on our sinful, fallen understanding, but it is according to his infinite wisdom that he chooses to give us and at times to take certain things away from us. You're getting it? According to his infinite wisdom, he can choose to give what we need. But here's the disclaimer. He can take away also if he feels you know, that is not needed for us. But in all things, scripture tells us to give thanks. Final point, it says, focus on simplicity. Look at verse 34, a very interesting verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its trouble of its own. We love to think about tomorrow, and I am the guy who would love to think about tomorrow, plan everything, and, 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 and be completely grounded in that and, and be so worried and so anxious about tomorrow, right? But in midst of all this, this is what is happening. We fail to appreciate what God has given us today. You know, guys, I just want to ask you something. Has God given you good health today? Yes. Has God given you clothes to wear? Yes. Has God given food on your table? Yes. God has given you so many blessings today, but we are so focused about tomorrow that we fail to see what God has given us today. Jesus saying, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow will bring, you know, its own set of worries. Its own set of worries. But here's the promise from the scripture. In Lamentation chapter 3, Lamentation chapter 3, verse uh, 22 and 23, a very well-known verse, okay? Let me put this in, in, in today's passage as perspective, right? It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Uh, church, every day will bring its own appointed troubles. But what the word of God promises is there are new set of mercies appointed for us every day. And they are new every morning so that we can bear the troubles that comes our way. We need to trust God that every day He will give us enough mercy and grace to get through that day. Right? Do not worry about tomorrow. Enjoy God today. Worship God today. Don't lose your sight. Yeah, you know, interesting thing is this. Jesus doesn't promise a bright tomorrow. <laughs> Jesus says tomorrow will have its worries. You know, that's the reality. You know, it's not the prosperity gospel. Tomorrow is going to... No, no, no. Jesus says tomorrow there will be worries. There will be new set of things that will occupy your mind. We'll take care of it tomorrow. Today, let us rejoice in what God has given us. Let us praise and adore Him. We do not know what tomorrow will bring, but here's the confidence. Our Father knows. Our Father knows for He is sovereign. He's sovereign over our past, He's sovereign over our today, and He's sovereign about, uh, over our tomorrow as well. So let me conclude uh, by reading out just a passage. Okay. This was read to us this morning. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. 
Romans chapter 5. We'll end in two minutes. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, uh, but, uh, but God demonstrated his love for in this. That while we were sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church, if, uh, if Jesus took care of the greatest need in the world that we ever had, if Jesus died for our sins, paying the penalty of sin once and for all, we should have great confidence in that Savior. That he's going to take care of our daily needs as well. You know, our God is sovereign. And our God is loving. This morning was so beautiful. A relationship between father and son. The love that exists. And it's the same love we experience today. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us rejoice for what he has done. And because of that, we have this relationship as father and son. As daughter and, and father, right? You can have that relationship. So let's close this uh, by saying, I just want to bring out a few points. Do not be anxious about tomorrow as to what you will wear because God is going to dress you in eternal glory. God is going to dress you in eternal glory. Do not be anxious about your paycheck because God is going to give you the whole world as an inheritance. You know, do not be worried about the, your position at work or your promotion, next promotion, when it's going to happen. Why? Because you are going to reign with God and His kingdom forever. Do not worry about your health or your life here on earth because one day, Jesus is going to come and the eternal life that He has promised, we are going to experience that. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension shall guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, keep continuing to go to God. You know, approach the Father in, with boldness because of what Son has done for you. Approach the Father with boldness. Make your supplication known to Him. And He, according to His riches and glory, He will answer your prayers as well. So, the application today, okay? A very simple application. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. It says, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Can you turn to Jeremiah 29, verse 13? Yeah, there it goes. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know, I, I love how God tells Jeremiah, right? You will seek me and find me. No, he doesn't end that. When you seek me with all your heart. You know, you cannot set your heart on other things. You need to set your heart on Jesus. So here's the application, church. Seek Jesus. Simple. In seasons of joy, seek Jesus. In seasons of pain, seek Jesus. In seasons of plentifulness, seek Jesus. In seasons of of nothingness seek Jesus. Why? Because he cares. We are of great value to him. And those who have not experienced this relationship 
I want to tell you something. Consider Jesus this morning. Consider Jesus. We, we heard this morning, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. Whoever believes in the finished work of our Lord, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day, when we believe that, we will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Consider Jesus. For believers, seek Jesus. For those who have not experienced this relationship with him, consider Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time this morning. From the beginning, Lord, we were reminded of your great love. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should call, we should be called as sons of God. Lord, your great love was manifested in your Son, and your scripture reminds us again and again that He took our sin and shame and He died on the cross, that brutal death that He experienced, the death that we were supposed to pay, that we were supposed to go through. Lord, Father, what a great joy it brings our heart that Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. And because of his finished work today, we can cry out to you as our Father. Lord, you are our Heavenly Father. And you know everything that we need. Even before we utter it from our mouth, Lord, you know what we need. But Kartave, we also come with you know, a great pain and, and deep agony in our hearts that we are of little faith, Lord. So many times we get worried. We, we have anxiety in our lives. We start fretting about tomorrow that we have not seen. And we forget to enjoy you today. But Father, as a church, this is a prayer for myself and even for everyone you know, here in WCOI and even on Zoom, the CBF family. Lord, this is our prayer, Lord, that, that you will give us the contentment. You will give us the focus to look into today about your great mercies that you have given us today, about the great things that you have given us today and allow us to enjoy you today. And trust that tomorrow, new mercies will come our way to deal with the problems and the challenges. For your scripture says, Lord, that when we do not lay our hearts on the world and the love for money, Lord, you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, allow us to cling on to this truth. Lord, and we want to confess that we have sinned so many times. The sin of worry is active, Lord. But Father, there is rest and restoration available in you. Lord, we want to come with a heart of repentance this morning. Lord, restore us, forgive us, and give us the rest that we seek. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.